Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Hey, church family, what an absolutely beautiful day. I hope you're warm, but I hope you're able to look out your front window, see the majestic snow that's absolutely blanketing our region. I absolutely love the snow. I I would take 10 feet of snow over a half an inch of rain any day of the week and every day of the week. Uh, Part of my life, I grew up in the Northeast and up in Maine. Times in Maine, we would have seven, eight, nine feet of snow. Uh, and it was miraculous, marvelous. It was incredible, and I just absolutely love a day like today. I do hate that we can't gather together, but I thank God for the technology that we have. And so in my office at home, I am sharing a thought with you because it's Valentine's Day. I'm going to lean into a little bit of a Valentine's Day message that I wasn't planning on, but hey, this is a great spot to do it. I was thinking about Rowena uh, preparing for Valentine's Day. And I flashed back to our first year of marriage and I just couldn't help but smile. We were just two 22-year-old kids in our very first apartment, the first days of our marriage. And I remember how exciting it was. We had borrowed furniture and we had um, very cheap furniture that other people didn't want, but it was ours. And we started to try to decorate. I remember the dance of, well, I want the lamp here or I want the lamp there. I remember sitting at our kitchen table, which was was very cheap. I think it was octagonal shaped, and it had those floral pattern chairs that are um, they're they're made out of vinyl and they're usually cracked. And I remember sitting at that table and us praying together. In the very first month, we were short on cash, and we were believing God for His help. And we held hands before dinner and we prayed. And I remember in that same room, uh, somebody gave us some money not too long after that, and. Wow, to experience God meeting our needs as a young family was such an incredible adventure. I remember sitting at my desk in that little apartment, opening the center drawer and pulling out our checkbook. The first time I ever had a checkbook that said, Steve and Rowena Parrish. I remember thinking how cool that was to see our name together. And I knew that because our name was together that both of us were the better off. God was not only gonna bless us, but bless our finances. And I think I still have the first box of our original checks stored somewhere just as a memory. And God came through. We, 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 were, we weren't wealthy by any means, but we landed some really good jobs that year. We did well financially. We saved up $1,000. It was amazing. I remember every, I think it was Thursday nights, uh, we lived in the inner city. We'd drive out of Poughkeepsie, New York uh, to, to a borough go to the laundromat and I think I would drop Rowena off at the laundromat and I would go to the grocery store and usually buy buy things I wasn't supposed to and swing back and pick her up and we would go out to dinner and uh, kind of eat at this diner place. We didn't we, we hadn't grown up going out to any type of restaurants and we, we just went to the restaurant we found and I think we went to the same one every week. And I remember how fun that was, how exciting that was. I remember thinking how remarkable it was that somebody as amazing as Rowena would want to spend their life with me and I just felt incredibly blessed. Um, you know, there's a scripture that I have found to be very valuable as a young man, 
and now much more so as an older man that really pertains to marriage. It's in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. And just that one verse alone, let alone the chapter, is chocked full with some great stuff that we're going to be taking a look at in a few months in a series on family. But I want to lean into verse 7. And in just that verse, there is tremendous uh, truths. And I can't even get to every one of those this morning. But I do want to lean into one part of verse 7 that's incredibly valuable. In the NIV version, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. The English Standard Version says, Live with your wives in an understanding way. New Living Translation, Treat your wife with understanding. King James Version, and I really like this one. I know it's old school, but dwell with them according to knowledge. And buried right in this phrase, in this verse, in this incredible chapter, I think is a recipe for a very successful marriage. And I would say this applies to men and women, but let me lean into the guys for a moment. Ladies, listen to what I'm saying because it's absolutely applicable to you. Um, the first idea that we discover here is that we, we, we need to gain knowledge. We basically need to study. We need to engage with our wives from the beginning throughout our, our entire marriages in a way where we're discovering what makes our spouse tick. Every person on the planet is different. Every wife is different. Every husband is different. And so it's important as a spouse to really study your spouse to figure out what makes them tick. What do they like? What do they not like? Um, every car that I've ever owned in my lifetime, which has been too many, every one of them has different ticks and nuances and requirements. The very first car I ever owned, it wouldn't, it wouldn't idle. So you had to constantly keep your foot on the accelerator, fluttering it just so that it would keep, keep running. It became problematic because it was a stick shift. And so when you ended up on a hill at a light, stopped, if you didn't basically run three pedals with two feet, you were going to stall out. It's hard enough to drive a stick shift from a light at, a, at an incline anyways, but you know, I could complain all I wanted to that it didn't work right, but I didn't have the money to fix it. And so in this particular case, I had to recognize what my car required in order to drive it well so that I could have an enjoyable trip and arrive at the best destination. Um, so it's so important to study our spouses, to figure out what they like, what they don't like, what stirs them, what, what might be dangerous for them, what might trigger them, maybe how the enemy attacks them, but the things that make them laugh, the things that bring them joy and fulfillment. The second thing that I get out of this phrase is that we then we need to act. There are things that we can do with that knowledge in the relationship um, that will create the optimum conditions for success. Now, the final agreement in that recipe is kind of inferred. It's not outright stated, but it's the idea of just enjoying success. If you study and if you act accordingly, there's going to be a good payoff for your actions. Um, as you um, dwell with your wife according to knowledge, if you push into the things that she enjoys and avoid the things she doesn't, and you as a couple do that together, it's going to lead to a great life. You know, God has a best life for you to live. And certainly nothing will impact best in your life like marriage, the person that you're with, the harmony in your home. Now, 
that is completely up to you. And best is absolutely attainable as you follow scriptures just like this one. You know, the best way to get new knowledge is to simply ask a question. And so I'm going to give you four questions to ask your spouse today. Sit down, take a piece of paper, write out the answers. And the answers to these questions will reveal some things about your spouse that they value, that they want, that they desire, that maybe you don't know. And in acting upon these new things, I have great confidence that both of you are going to enjoy a new level of joy, excitement, fulfillment, um, and service to one another. So here we go. Question number one, what is one thing that I can begin to do for you? Now, this could be a small repeating thing, or it could be a singular big thing. But ask your spouse, what's one thing that I can do for you? For our our home, our family, a small thing that I try to do for Rowena, she does many things for me. One of the small, simple things that I try to do on a daily basis is to make the bed. We both leave, get up early. She leaves earlier than I do. I often work out of the office here at the house. And so I have a a better opportunity to make the bed. In the process, I don't enjoy it. I gotta be honest with you, but I never tell her that. And I never roll my eyes when I go to do it. I simply make the bed. And I know this for a fact, even though she's not told me. When she walks in, she sees that bed. She knows that I did that not just for us, but specifically for her. I do a couple other simple chores. They're not a big deal. Empty out the dishwasher, take out the trash, among other things. But I try to do that consistently daily. And when I do, I do it as a service to my wife. And I know that she values that. Now, maybe the ask that you have is something much bigger. It's the one-off. It might be painting the living room or fixing the broken sink. But ask your spouse, what is one big thing that I can do for you? Question number two, what is one thing I can do with you? There's something amazing about doing something with somebody because they enjoy it. Now, it's wonderful when we come together as a family, as couples, and we do things that we all like. But if you're anything like Rowena and I, there's things that she does that I don't like to do. And there's things that I do that she doesn't like to do. And yet, if all we ever do is do our things separately and come together and only do the things we both like together, I don't know if that's really the heart of serving one another. So ask your spouse, what is one thing that I could do with you? And especially, you don't have to say this, but if it's something that you don't like to do, that's a great opportunity to serve your spouse well. Um, This last, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving season, Rowena mentioned the Hallmark Channel, and uh, I'm not much of a Hallmark Channel guy, um, but she mentioned that she wanted to be able to download that. And so we signed up for a subscription, and there were a lot of holiday programs on there. And I gotta be honest with you, if you've seen one Christmas special on the Hallmark Channel, the same same storyline repeats in every single special, every single year. In fact, it's almost the same characters just mixed up and moshed around a little bit. Now, those programs weren't my favorite, but the truth is my wife enjoyed them. And so there were nights where we sat down together and I watched a Hallmark movie with her. And there were times when I really enjoyed it and got caught crying and all, all of that type of stuff. But the reason why I watched them is because it was something that she enjoyed. 
Now, I enjoy sitting out in the back deck, even in the wintertime, tur turning on the fire pit, looking off into our woods, and I don't think that that's my wife's favorite thing to do either. But I love when she comes out occasionally and sits with me, and together we enjoy it. Being together, doing something that your spouse enjoys will mean a lot, and it will mean even more if you don't enjoy it, but you're there to be with them. Okay, here's question number three. What is one thing you would like for me to stop doing? I know that's a big one. In fact, uh, when you get ready to ask this question, you might want to prepare yourself. You might want to get buckled in. And you might want to give your spouse, as you ask the question, a little bit of time to know that this is safe. It's free. It's a free opportunity to express something from the heart. And ask your spouse, what is one thing you would like for me to stop doing? And brace yourself, prepare yourself. It might be the smallest, dumbest thing ever, or it might be something that is huge. They've never brought up. They actually drives them crazy. In fact, they might see it as harming the relationship, maybe even harming you. I remember when Rowan and I were first dating, I asked the question, hey, is there anything that you don't like that I do? Oh, no. I'd ask the question again, and well, it's not, it's not really a big deal. Ultimately, I found out from Rowena that I was doing something that was driving her crazy. We would eat our meals together in college, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, three times a day. It's really the only time we could be together. And this was kind of like three dates in a day. So we're always around food. And one thing that I did with every bite of my food was as I pulled the fork out, I dragged the fork on the bottom of my top teeth, making a screeching noise. Now, personally, I didn't even know it. But for someone who's observing that, listening to that, experiencing that, man, thank God I don't do that. Thank God that Rowena told me something I was doing was just absolutely driving her crazy. I can't imagine what it would be like to li live with me for 33 years, listening to me drag my fork across my teeth. So ask your spouse. What's one thing that I'm doing that you'd like me to stop doing? Now, in the event that it is a big ask, maybe your spouse is asking you to stop participating in a behavior that you love or stop going to a place that she or he feels is damaging to your relationship, or it's for you to give up a habit that you enjoy. I want you to ask yourself the question, am I willing to give this up for a better marriage? And I, I'm confident that you absolutely would. And as you consider giving that up and as you push that over for your spouse, I think you're going to unlock some things that you've not even considered. Your spouse probably knows that that means something to you if it's big. And your willingness to lay it down will unlock other areas absolutely of your marriage for the better and probably lead to even a better experience in life for you personally. Now, our fourth and final question, ask your spouse... What is one thing that I can buy for you? Now, I'm not talking about something small. I'm talking about that bigger thing that it takes time to save up for. That's a big ask. That maybe you can't go out and buy today, but it's something you begin to lean forward into in this year or next year as you save up. 
you prepare to purchase this for your spouse. I know us guys, we have a tendency to dream as young men about buying our quads, our motorcycles, our boats, our campers, our classic car that we can put out in the garage. And we dream that way. And in our minds, a couple thousand dollars, $10,000, sometimes $50,000 is worth it to be able to have that one treasure in life. The danger for some men is that they have a big financial ask, but they never find out if their wife has a big financial ask. And sometimes they just assume that the thing they want is the thing that their spouse wants anyways. Um, I think that you would uh, be really smart to say to your wife, if you had $1,000 or if you had $5,000 or if you had $10,000, what would you want to buy? Now, the number doesn't really matter. Your, your number is the size of whatever your big reaching ask would be. But I want you to ask your spouse. And I think you'd be surprised. Now, for me, I think I could answer that question 10 times over. Easily, just like that. But if you've never asked your spouse that question, and they've never conveyed what they would like, it could be that in your relationship, one is always pursuing and achieving their their desires, and the other one sits in the background, never speaking up, never receiving what they would really want. So thankful that there have been a few times in our marriage where Rowena has really spoken up. We had a little bit of money from a property sale years and years ago, and we were talking about what we could do as a family. What could we purchase to really enhance our family time? Our kids were younger, we, they were homeschooled, we had some freedom, and I was thinking camper or a boat or I had this great list, and Rowena said, I want us to buy a timeshare. And we had tried someone's timeshare, it was amazing, and we knew this would really work for us. And it was a pretty big stretch. It was a chunk of money that was a, a good used car, but that's what Rowena wanted. Honestly, deep down in, I wanted the boat more, but we bought the timeshare. And the truth is, we have used that timeshare time after time after time with our children as they've grown into their teenage years and now into their adult years. We've used it personally as husband and wife to get away. We've taken many friends in the church along with us on vacations and trips. We've even been to Hawaii. And that's been possible because my wife knew that if we purchased this, there would be ongoing and repeated opportunities for us to get together as a family. That's what she valued. And she didn't want to do it just in the summer when you use a boat. She wanted to be able to do it whenever. I love that she shared that with me. So ask your spouse, what's one big thing that I could buy for you? Maybe not right away, but you really want. And I think you'll find that when you serve your spouse that way, you can't do that every day and you can't do that maybe every year, but when you serve your spouse that way, you have a posture of serving that is a giving posture, it's an honoring posture that allows whatever you've given to return back into your own life. So many couples struggle because instead of trying to give, they're always taking what they can get. And when everyone is trying to take what they can get, nobody ever really gets what they want. But when everyone is giving what the other wants, everyone walks away incredibly satisfied. Well, one last final scripture before we finish. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It's not a scripture on marriage, but it can be applied to marriage. I think it's valuable to apply it to marriage. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
outdo one another in showing honor. Now, do a little bit more than brotherly affection, husbands and wives, husband and wife affection. But the second sentence, outdo one another in showing honor. That word honor is the picture of investment, of taking value and pushing it into someone else. With your time, with your words, with your actions, with your posture, if you push honor into other people, the investment you're making will build them up. It'll strengthen them. It'll help them become the person they've been designed to be. Givers are receivers. And when you honor others, especially your spouse, when you push investment, push value into them by how you serve them, by what you say, by what you do for them, by what you don't do for them, you'll find that they'll do the exact same things back your way. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every couple in our church. Bless every marriage. Teach this scripture to all of our men, to all of our women. Help us to dwell with our spouses according to knowledge. For every single that's in the church who's dreaming about getting married, praying about getting married, God, I pray that you will help them to learn these principles and even use these principles with their friends and with their family because they apply there as well and they can carry them into marriage. Father, for singles who are content to be single and serving you, God, I know that they are investing this same way in their relationship with you and I just ask you to bless them abundantly as well. Bless all of our church family on this snowy Valentine Day in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.